Welcome to the Foodpreneur Journey, where we uncover the stories of fearless innovators, the visionaries who've shattered the mold, and the entrepreneurs who've revolutionized the fast-moving consumer goods industry. Join us as we journey deep into the hearts and minds of FMCG's most daring pioneers, those who've redefined the game, challenged the norms, and left a mark on the world of consumer goods. Get ready to explore the extraordinary tales of those who've dared to be different and in doing so have transformed the way we live, eat, and thrive. Hi there and welcome to another episode of the Foodpreneur Journey podcast powered by Accountbytes, the accountants for food and drink brands. In this episode, we are joined by Dr. Adrian Massey, founder of Earthed Drinks. Welcome to the show, Adrian. And for our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the drive for you to get out of bed in the morning? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, great, great to meet you, Darren. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. And I really appreciate the, the invite. So yeah, a little bit about myself. So I have a... a you know, I'm in my forties. I've got a, a a small family, a wife, and two children. Um, in fact, my son's doing his last day at primary school today. Um, so it's all a bit uh, different uh, and new here um, this morning. And um, I guess you know what makes me get out of bed in the morning. It's the reasons that I've literally just alluded to. Really, it's the kids and going out there and pushing boundaries for myself to make a difference to both. You know their lives hopefully because obviously what the steps that we take as adults today will ultimately dictate the future of our kids for all intents and purposes so it's really doing the best I can to improve myself to make a difference to the world and ultimately to to create a better world for for my kids and of course the next generation to come. Cool so can we talk a little about your career or your journey what it's been like to where we get to today Adrian? Sure sure so it started off very much um, when you know, when I was back at school, I had an affinity for cooking and home economics, and I always thought I wanted to be a chef. But then I did some work experience as a chef and thought I'm never going to be a chef again. <laughs> and then shortly after that, I went and studied home economics, food and nutrition at A level. Really enjoyed it, and then I went through and Oxford Brookes University got a first and then thought, you know, I'm really enjoying this. I want to continue. And when I did a PhD at Reading for about three and a half years, um, looking at bubbles in Jaffa cakes of all, of all different food systems. And then after that, I thought, you know, this is great. You know, really had a good time, but you know, what's next? And it wasn't for me, it wasn't creating more literature for the scientific board, because for me, it wasn't very tangible. What difference is this really making? So that set me off on a world of working in new product development. So I worked for the likes of Weetabix, um, worked for Kraft Foods for about seven odd years. I think and during my time there, I achieved probably around sort of over 30 global granted patents. So I really kind of got into product innovation and really kind of, again, pushing the boundaries in, in food science. And then worked through different companies. So I worked for companies that did work for um, McDonald's and, and did lots of different products for those guys and then worked for another company that did lots of the, uh, the batters that they put on to became fries so did a lot of work there 
And then after that, I'm thinking, okay, great, but I want to create something a bit different in the world and, and, and kind of push myself to a different level. So that then sort of started off yeah, the next phase of the journey with starting up um, what was first Seago Drinks, um, which is a, a milk-based drink with whole grain cereals. And then I then transitioned over COVID to create Earth Drinks, and we pivoted the brand to create a plant-based, um, oat-based drink product. Again, completely innovative and new, and that sort of, yeah, kind of really set me off to the path that I am today. Perfect. So, obviously, we've mentioned the brand name. Can you tell us or describe what the brand does? And at the same time, what makes your products different to other plant-based brands that are in the marketplace? Sure, sure, absolutely. So, Earth, we've got four main principles or kind of what we call philosophies about Earth. Basically, it's delicious, nutritious, and sustainable. Those are the three pillars that the brand is built on. And really, what makes us different? Because if you think about milk-based products, they started off as large cartons of milk bottles, then they transitioned to flavoured milks, and then eventually they went into more functional beverages. So what we've done with Earth is we've really kind of pushed the boundaries on that, because at the moment, you know, majority of the market is very much you know, large cartons of I don't know, oatly, for example, and, and, and you know, those oat milks, almond milks, etc. So we kind of pushed it, really pushed the category very early on. And what makes us different is we went down the, the route of a, a breakfast drink, and I'll explain why in a second. But ultimately, what we wanted to do is to create a product because at this point, there were products out there, take the, you know, the Weetabix drink as an example with, with milk, but they're all effectively milkshakes masquerading as breakfast drinks. So, you know, when you consider in the UK, over 90% of consumers of, of households have breakfast cereal in the kitchen and we consume more breakfast cereal per capita than any other country in the world. We eat huge amounts of breakfast cereal. But yeah, all of the products out there, whether it's Weetabix, Fuel, Up and Go, do not contain any whole grain cereal whatsoever, which for me was a bit of a head scratcher. So I created a product which puts 30 grams, so basically the entire bottle of whole grain cereal, into a bottle, very smooth. You know, you can drink it through a straw, so it's in a 250ml Tetra pack. And, you know, I could have stopped there because that's, you know, that's innovative enough and and that's great. But we want to push the boundaries a bit more. So we've got behind seven B vitamins, so great for you know energy release and um, reducing tiredness. High in calcium, high in fiber, and also you get 100% of your recommended daily intake of prebiotics in the in the product as well. So it's really pushing the boundaries both in plant based but also within the breakfast drink category as well. Okay, so you briefly mentioned it, but let let's talk about it a bit more. Why did the business start? The business journey mm. from start to where it's at today. Sure. There's a reason why you've created it. What was the reasons behind it? Yeah. So what it was is I think as probably you know many other founders and people that start businesses, you know, you've got to be a little bit crazy, I think, to go on this journey. And got to be very crazy. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's certainly not the faint-hearted. <laughs> and I think. For me, there's, you know, it's generally a major life event that takes place. And for me, that major life event was when I first became a dad. And so my first child, Emre, uh, who's now 
11 years old and he was born very prematurely so he was born at 28 weeks weighing a kilo and you know to be honest it didn't look great for him um as expected meningitis and obviously was in hospital for you know a very long time unfortunately he's a great little chap now and perfectly healthy and, and everything is great but it was certainly a baptism of fire both for, for him to come in the world in that sort of way and you know be hooked up in, in itu and for us as parents as you know to look after him and and to you know to try and be there for him and what I found challenging is I was working in Evesham at the time. So I live in Banbury, so it was a good sort of 30-mile commute. I wanted to see him in the morning because I didn't know what was going to happen throughout that day. And obviously, I had to hold down my career at the time. And I just found that I'm a, you know, like most of the population in the UK, I'm a fan of breakfast cereal and I like to consume it before I leave the door. So what I found is I was skipping breakfast for because I wanted to get down the hospital and see my son. But at the same time, it was then I felt like there's, you know, you don't perform as, as I would have done in the morning, tired, but drained, lethargic. And afterwards, everyone, everything was okay. It dawned on me, well, why not take that bowl of whole grain cereal, use all the knowledge and skills that I have as an individual and create that and craft it into a delicious product which captures all of that cereal and more to help other people it doesn't matter whether they've got you know premature children in hospital or you know they're just busy in the morning but they just want something that's generally healthy and and authentic versus other products that were on the market and that's really what set me off on the journey and then it took me probably because i'm not used to you know multi-million pounds kind of budgets to be able to do these mpd uh, i didn't have that same luxury unfortunately so it took me probably 18 months to two years to get everything into a position where I was happy with the product. I was taking it to food shows around Banbury uh, where I live and you know, district shows and most of my delight people were really enjoying the product and were then, you know, I was selling out in the driving rain. I remember a, a district show in Banbury thinking, okay, there's, there's something in this. So I then decided that I'm going to go and take it a step further and found a contract manufacturer in the UK, a huge dairy in the UK, I think the second or third largest dairy. And it took probably 18 months to get everything set up with them. They built a bespoke line for the product. Um, and I got my first customer, which was a, an amazing first customer at this British Airways. I was delivering all the products um, for their breakfast for the crew. Um, in, you know, in, the, in the mornings and it was a, a great start but it was one of those relationships where I thought something's not quite right here um, but you know it was such a big opportunity they could up so many doors you kind of want to see the bright side of everything and it was about six seven weeks in and at this point I'd stepped away I'd been all over them everything was going well British Airways were happy great feedback from the crew and the business was, was absolutely humming and then we had some quality issues on the manufacturing line. Um, I won't go into any details as to what happened, but needless to say, when I did an inspection um, a couple of weeks later, it was apparent that something wasn't right and the product was tasting off. Um, shelf life had dropped significantly, um, which indicated some sort of contamination after the, pro after the heat process. And, and at that point, literally within 20 minutes, I tasted the product, knew something wasn't right trying to understand what was going on 
and got that sort of dreaded phone call from British Airways saying, oh, our product has is, is gone off. And I said, I know what's happened. Um, you've kind of saved me a phone call. So we, we agreed that from that point of view, I had to shut everything down because I'd lost trust in, in, in the, in the, in the um, processing line. And from that, it was a, a question of, you know, almost starting again. British Airways said, look, we, we love the product. Wouldn't take you on board, but just find yourself another manufacturer. Shortly after that, um, COVID then kicked in. Um, and at that point, I, I'd basically run out of funds myself. I had nothing left and, you know, had to sort of get through COVID the best, the best we could in that situation because at that point I'd given up the day job and I knew the only way to keep going was to raise, you know, a quarter of a million investment. So the first 18 months was not impossible to, to raise that because it's so much incentive in the world ever was putting their hands in their pockets and, and didn't want to pull them out. And then after the 18 months, things started to shift. Um, people started to open up conversations. And then it probably took me about another nine months from that point onwards because at this point, people were saying, look, there's no way you can raise the money. You've got no product. You've got no manufacturer. All you've got is an idea in your head. But when people tell me that, as many other founders I'm sure will relate to, when people tell you you can't do it, you think, I'm doing it. I don't care what it takes. It's going to happen. And eventually, yeah, I closed the, that investment round, raised just over a quarter of a million that I needed and brought on some great guys uh, that were, were ex-Tesco directors as well. So they're in the business now, Coco Companies, to open up some doors into the bigger retailers. And, you know, we rebranded the products from Seagull to Earth, completely changed the formulation and also went out to then find manufacturing, which was also, was starting well. We had a manufacturer in the UK, but again, with COVID and then after COVID, as we were picking things up, the Ukraine war kicked in, which then obviously interrupted all the supply chains as well. But at this point, I'm burning that cash that I just raised because I had people in the business we were starting to build and reconfigure the brand. And um, so it was another sort of very challenging time for us. And then we finally found a great manufacturer. We had to go all the way out to Finland. Fortunately, Tetrapack were very supportive and really helped us to overcome a lot of the challenges. And these guys are just amazing, really, really supportive. And I couldn't ask for, for anything else from manufacturing. And they said at the start, we were still on the same table as you same side of the table as you and very much so they were and still are today so i've been very it's been a, a challenging journey and we launched in february of you know, 2023 into ocado and we're doing exceptionally well we're really dominating the category on ocado and we've started we've rolled out to clf and we've got other wholesalers coming through and some bigger um, hopefully some bigger listings coming through with some conversations we've got over the coming weeks. So we're in a very different place now and I'm now on a, another investment raise to, to keep the momentum going and to really invest in sales and marketing and really kind of push the brand and keep pushing the boundaries. Cool. Can I just ask a couple of quick questions on what you've just mentioned, Adrian? Obviously, work of getting the first customer as British Airways, not many businesses do that. Was that by luck? Was it a food fair? How does something like that come around? Yeah, it was, I don't believe in luck per se. I believe that you create your own luck, but it does, of course, I think it's easy to put it down to luck. It's one of those things where I had approached lots of different 
know, where I thought the product could go and I, I just approached lots of different areas and got a little bit of engagement. But what sealed it for me, there was two things really. One is I was at a, a show in London called The Lunch Show and I met the buyer there. And then also what I did is, because I quite like public speaking, as I went to an event, I think it was Food Matters Live later on that year. And I, what I did is invited all the people that I've been contacting about the product. And what I find is those sort of events give you that extra bit of credibility. So I stood up and the, and the lady, again, the buyer, well, uh, you know, I don't think necessarily for me, but she happened to be in the audience. And she tapped me on the shoulder as she walked past on the way out and said, I'm going to be in contact. And then a couple of days later, she was in contact and said, oh, can you come down to, um, to, to our offices? And then that's then the conversation started. And before I know it, you know, in a couple of months, we were on British Airways and, uh, and, and kicking off the whole process. Amazing. So obviously there's been some of the challenges that you've mentioned and there's some big ones that you've overcome. Since sort of the rebrand, have you had any, like ultimately the Earthed brand is in the early stages now. What has that been like so far? It's been very good from the point of view of to see the positive traction that we're getting in the market, whether it's a cardo, we've been dropping off cases into local stores and, you know, we sold in a, a little sailing club in Hayden Island. We sold two cases, that's like 30 units in a weekend. Um, so it's been amazing to see such a positive reaction to both the brands, which I guess is the most important thing to start with because it makes people pick it off the shelf and then to want to come back and to consume more of it as well. So I think for me, it's been a very positive start, but that says there's of course challenges because as you grow, you need to get the cash in to invest behind in the sales and marketing. So that's, you know, again, one of those, that kind of cash flow challenge where you want to grow, but you need to make sure that you've got the resources behind it. But the good, I guess what makes us easier from our point of view, and we've, you know, we've got a few commitments and a lot more coming in is it really helps people to buy in because they can see that there's a real positive traction, you know, in such, you know, within a few months. So it's, um, it's yeah, it's been a, a great journey so far. Cool. So you've mentioned the investment there, the next round of investment. Is there anything else sort of around the corner for you or the next steps of the business, Adrian? Yeah, so as in addition to the investment, what we're also doing, obviously, approaching lots of, of different retailers, running active conversations with, with you know, in, including some of the larger retailers. So we what we want to do is to keep growing the brand and, 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 and the presence and making it more available to, you know, across the UK, across different um, different channels. And from that, we're also then starting to consider we've got some other innovative MPD in the pipeline. So, you know, we've got investment to push behind that and also to start pulling through, not just because what we don't want is to be a brand with that product range. It's a great product range and it's, it's clearly going to do very well. But there's a big opportunity out there with plant-based drinks. And I think as people become more and more conscious about the environment, the dangers that milk is having and you know, the land juice etc um there's going to be a, a big shift and already it's you know it's taking place but between now and, and the end of the decade we're seeing a huge amount of people turning from what we call kind of eco considerers to eco active so they're going to be act more active in terms of how they change and adapt their lifestyles to help support the health of the planet 
So there's a big opportunity. So we've got some great MPD tapped in behind us to, to keep growing that and to bring out some new product ranges to, to help support that change as well as you know serving the customers with both healthy and nutritious food as well. Perfect. So I always ask these last couple of questions to finish with all my guests and I always ask you to take some reflection time, I like to call it. Obviously, you have been on a very up and down journey from what you've shared today, Adrian. What's that one thing you wish you had known when you'd started out? Yeah, I think for me, it's, and I always alluded to it at the start when I was talking about the manufacturer, is believe people the first time, no matter what they're offering. And it's amazing because I think talk is cheap and you can only really tell someone by their actions and their behaviours. So when people are showing you early on that this is, you know, and they show up and particularly at this is the most important time for me when you want to establish that relationship and you want to show confidence and you want to build it. And if people start behaving in ways that aren't congruent with your values and your work ethic, to just to shut it down. It sounds it sounds harsh, but I've learned on more than one occasion now. I've chipped over that stone too many times since the, you know from Seago to, to the point where we're at today. And you know, and when people show you who they are, just believe them the first time and they give them that second chance. Because when things start to go wrong, it's only going to continue. So that for me is a, a massive learning. You've mentioned as well that you're surrounded by some great people that are now within the business. One of our core values is we love to learn. So I always ask, how do you learn? Who do you take advice from? And at this stage, if there's sort of any recommended reading, a video, or if there's any other podcasts that you listen to, Adrian. Yeah, sure. For me, it's surrounding myself because it's not so much who, it's almost not so much what, what you listen to or what you read. It's about the quality of that information, the same way that you know, you're conscious about what food you put in your body. I'm also very conscious about what food, if you like, I'll put in my brain. So I will listen to and, and talk to you know, mentors you know, within the business that I have or outside of that, people that have gone on that journey rather than repeating the journey twice. So definitely industry-specific mentors for me is an absolute must. And outside of that, I guess I'm perhaps one of those people that are a bit woohoo and... Uh, look at the things in a sort of more spiritual way because i think for me you know we're on a everyone is on a, a path through this lifetime we're here with there's a purpose and clearly I, I found mine and it's on that journey i like to sort of look at things more generic it's very easy when things start to go wrong to go oh my god and just feel like your, your world is falling apart and well what i look to is there's one book i'd recommend everybody read it's called interview with the devil by napoleon hill that is an amazing book about really around sort of fear and an overcoming fear which i think a lot of you know founders what you you have to 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 learn to deal with that and also there's a a podcast that i listen to from a guy called jim fortin it's got to transform yourself from the inside out and ultimately help our thoughts our mindset and and that sort of connection with you know, what they call it universal, you know, the universe or whatever sort of people want to, to, to look at it by and, and combine those two things to create ultimately because we are creators of our, of our own life and our existence. And it's how you react to things and respond to things that will determine your life ahead. So those are the sorts of things that are my go-to places to help me both, you know, within this kind of 
the physical reality as well as the, the more um, you know esoteric reality as well. Spot on, thank you. So just before I let you go, I'm not going to lie, I stole this from Stephen Bartlett and the Diary of the CEO, where we ask a previous guest to leave a question for the next one. The question you've been left today, Adrian, is how do you maintain a strong company culture and ensure employee engagement and satisfaction, particularly during periods of growth or change? Sorry, that's a very long question. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great question. It's, it's, it's truly is a great question. I never thought of that was a, a great one. Uh, I, for me, and clearly there's been a lot of growth and change in, in, in my world, um, you know, certainly over the last sort of three years or so. And for me, it's, it's firstly establishing that culture because as a, you know, as a founder, the culture basically starts with you and making sure that you know you know you understand your own values and and you build out from those so that for me is the fundamentals to get the culture in place so when people come in they know the way you work and obviously they're in the business in a way that's congruent with the, with you and you know you've brought them on because they align with with your purpose and, and and values but then when things get difficult for me it's making sure you know one there's sufficient reward in place I think people, when they join early stage businesses, it's not necessarily for the money, although it's important, but it's also to feel like they're making a difference because ultimately they're, they're putting themselves at yeah, a risk as well as, you know, more perhaps more so than the average person. So for me, it's, it comes down to one simple thing to try and keep it really simple. It's all around communication and just keeping them updated on what's going on and keeping the momentum, but keeping not looking at the details of, oh, God, this is all, you know, or it feels like it's all falling apart. It's keeping the eye on the vision, the long-term goal, and knowing that this too will, will pass and just keeping that communication open and, you know, and being open to, to those conversations if people are getting worried or, or whatever, just to give them that word of reassurance and, you know, the plan they're in place to, to overcome it. That, I think, for me, is the, the only way that you can really maintain the culture and when people are coming in as i said before and i'm very hot on this now that aren't congruent with what you're doing then ultimately you remove them sooner rather than later you know within the first you know three months you, you know what's going on and that if you take those sort of any toxic individuals that are coming in the business out then i think you've and you've set everything up from the start you've got the communication then i think you're in a, a great place to move forward Thank you for that. Thank you for your time today, Adrian. Just want to say a massive thank you for sharing so much insight into your journey, into your world so far. And just want to say thank you again. Thank you. You're very welcome, Dan. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to the Foodpreneur Journey. You can find out more and get show notes for this and all other episodes at the Foodpreneur Journey Podcast.co.uk. 